We are so blessed to be with you. Just, I just want to honor the Lord and say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for ministering. Thank you that we get to minister to you. And if there's such a beautiful connection, as a bride and a husband, as a branch and a vine, as a sheep to a shepherd. Oh Lord, thank you for this divine relationship. And a son and a daughter to the Father. Thank you. Thank you that we can have these moments together. Thank you that we can honor you. Even when we got lots of kids making noises, we can just honor you. Good day.
um, we have about, I think we counted 33 people that are on this year a seven-month tour. Uh, we, we started this year in Little Rock, Arkansas, but last year actually we, we started the Trail of Joy in Salem, Oregon, and then we went to Independence, Missouri, and then we went to uh, uh, Broken Arrow in Tahoe, Oklahoma. And that was last year. And we started the trail last year on Puro. Puro. And we started the trail this year on Puro, which was interesting. We didn't know that last year, huh? Did we? Okay, we didn't know that last year. Okay. So, so we are all in travel trailers. Um, some of us have fifth wheels, some of us have travel trailers. We have a bus and a travel trailer. And, um, and so we are touring across the United States uh, on the Trail of Joy to reverse the curse on the Trail of Tears. And, um, and the, the First Nations people are part of that and also uniting the body of Christ together. We believe that, that the body of Christ, that Jesus is the solution to every problem. Yeah. Amen. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. Can I say amen here? Amen. That means unity is a major part of, of, of healing this nation. And so the Lord actually brought us here. Uh, and, and, and we've been praying. So we, we spent about a month in vacation. And we've been praying, and the Lord's been giving us words. And so what I want to do is I want to open this up to our team. Because I think each one of our team members has heard things. And I, I want to open it up to, you know, when you pray and seek the Lord, and we've been fasting as well, uh, the Lord is un unraveling a narrative. And he's beginning to show us what the, the, the destiny of Wilmore and the surrounding region is. Isn't that cool? Like, we're like nobodies out saying, you guys are the real deal here. You guys are the ones that steward all this. But we get to come in and he's talking to us to encourage you because you guys have an amazing destiny here. And so, who on our team would like to go first? I think Georgia. So, Georgia, she looked up. And, come on. Come on, dude. Tell us what you discovered this month. You like you like one of my two. No, no, So I just um out here as the Lord has been taking me a lot of this area. And I don't even see you here. But one of the first things we did is we looked up the word Lord and we made it. And I don't know if you know this, but it's a strong desire. And the Lord showed us that. Wilmore has a strong desire to see God do something amazing. Amen. They have a strong desire to see the heart of God. And so that was one of the things that we were sort of speaking to is that we've just been praying into that desire and just what God wants to do in the land. It's so cool what you're saying. Because the Lord's really been speaking to us about the land. 
and that God wants to heal and that our praise and our worship is literally in the Or, or these things that have taken them out, God, we say no right now. And we call destiny. 
call you a destiny on them. We thank you, God, that you have a plan for them. We thank you that you have a plan for them. And we bless this place. We thank you for it in your precious name. Amen and amen. Amen. So this is going to be a, a, a lot of sharing, but I, I want to give a little context before we continue with what we're sensing in that city of this region is. So, um, let me just think about how to do that. So we all know that there's that troubled times are coming. You don't have to actually be prophetic in right? You don't have to hear from God to know that there's some serious stuff coming down the pipeline, and that we need to get ready. And so uh, some of the things that the Lord has been talking to us about, and, and this might be a little bit radical for you guys, so, so just take it to the Lord in prayer. Um, you know, because sometimes when you hear something for the first time, it sounds a little out there. Um, but um, there has been stirring and talking about the Third World War. How many of you know? Right? Okay. So there's been prophetic words about that as well. How many of you have heard of the Billion Soul Harvest? Coming? You're that, right? Okay. In that same prophecy, so that was Bob Jones. Bob Jones actually died, I believe it was 1975. He died and actually went to see the Lord. And the Lord actually sent him back, told him that you died prematurely. Well, in that encounter with Jesus in heaven, the Lord said, I want to send you back. And he says, and he told Bob that there's going to be a third world war. Most people will talk about this part of the prophecy. Okay, so that's he told God there's going to be a third world war, and then after that, there's going to be a billion soul harvests. And so, one of the things he talked about was that there was going to be a limited nuclear exchange on the east and west coast. And that Kansas City, because that was one of Bob Jones' assignments, was Kansas City. How many know I have Kansas City? That Kansas City was going to be um, a place of refuge. Because of what they stewarded, that they worship and prayer, that they were going to be a sort of refuge. And, and, and that the people from the east and west coast were actually going to come and, and find refuge in, in the middle of the U.S. And, and also to support that prophecy, George Washington actually had a visitation from an angel. Does anybody know about that? You can look it up on YouTube. It's, it's, I believe it's documented in the Library of Congress. So, so he had a visitation, and the, and the angel was called Union. And, and the angel addressed George Washington as son of the Republic. And he said, son of the Republic. And then he showed, them, he showed him the first war that he was in. And, he and how that was for his victory. Then he showed him a second war, which was the Civil War. And then he showed him a third war. And in this third war, the nations of the world converged on the United States. And he saw towns that were decimated. He saw them just destroyed. And then there was, in this vision, there was an angelic uh, uh, assistance that actually came down from heaven as lights, turned the war, 
shifted it in our favor, and we ended up winning. And the angel union said, as long as the stars are in the sky, this nation will exist. And that was that was that was the end of the, those visions. So in all of that, we we are sensing that the time, we don't know times and this and that, but we are sensing that time is coming. And it's soon. I don't know what soon means either. But just you pray, you press into the Lord. But here's what I'm here's what I'm seeing. Uh, for uh, Wilmore and Nicholsville and uh, Lexington, this whole region here, that when this goes down, people are going to be coming here. Are you okay if I give a little little correction? Not for a few minutes. A little bit. You guys are comfortable, and that's not good. You're comfortable. And comfort doesn't lend to preparedness. There's a reason why this region has such a rich spiritual heritage. And you guys are supposed to be stewarding that, pressing in, getting intel, understanding what God is doing, finding your part and your role and running with it, step by step being led by the Holy Spirit. And so the Lord is saying, that Wilmore and the surrounding region will be a refuge and a breadbasket in the coming days. And that the, na the nation, people that from the east and west are going to be coming here. And check this out. This is something that just happened a couple of days ago when I was in another prayer meeting. The Lord was showing me that you are actually going to be a part of transitioning and shifting the culture of America. Because they're going to come, and you are going to be assigned to disciple those who come here. And you're going to disciple them in the rich spiritual heritage that you have, if you will wake up and do it. Can I hear an amen? It is an assignment the Lord is giving you. And it's beautiful, and it's amazing, but it requires stewardship. And it's very serious. But at the same time, listen, we're not to love our lives even unto death. They overcame the enemy, what? By the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even unto death. I believe that's Revelation 12, 11. If we're not concerned about our own lives, then we can be so used by God to bring the ship that he wants. And if we die, we get an upgrade. We graduate. We are in heaven, in bliss, forever. It can't even be described, right? It's not a loss, it's a gain. Yeah. There's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. And so if, if fear is eradicated and we're walking in the stewardship the Lord has, he will use this region and others, like Kansas City, to shift our nation, and not just our nation, but the culture of our nation. To where God will be pleased with our mission. And so that's that's what what some of what we're seeing, and I want to call, but but in that there's a stewardship. So there's a you know, prophecy 
is always continued. Right? God's blessings is always continued on our obedience. And so we want to come and encourage you. The other thing the Lord was showing us, you got this uh, word about a minute. Should be a louder trumpet than anything anybody else should be 
today. We should be hearing the voice of God trumping across this nation. We are a place that is so full of the things of God. There are churches on every single corner, and we have the quietest voice. We have the quietest voice because we've gotten comfortable, because we've come to a place where we just go through the motions. There's so much more that he requires of us. There's so much more. And it's time that we rise as a, as a people of God and let his voice be heard in the streets. Short. Um, 
God sent me here in November, actually I left early from another meeting I was at um, to come here. And the day I came here, this is how we got in this church. Um, there was a guy meeting in the Arabian Cemetery over here. I didn't know anything about it. But when I drove past R.J. Foreman's property with the Lord, I felt the Lord on that property. And something turned me on I told my wife to look up this guy, I didn't know who he was. And she came and looked up and said, I told somebody else about it. And they said, well, I wasn't going to tell you about this. Um, and I mentioned the Moravian Covenant that we have on our website. Long story, I'm going to go through and when I mentioned about those things, she said, well, I was going to tell you about this, but there was a guy meeting at the Arabian Cemetery at a prayer meeting the day he came in. I said, really? I said, well, that's not a coincidence. I need to meet him. So we started talking to him. So I arrived here the day this guy was meeting on the Arabian Cemetery. I have the Arabian covenant on uh, my website. Because of that, Right before I was scheduled to come back to meet with some readers, I think it was on the letter or something like this. I don't think it was on the letter. But anyway, he calls me up and um, he tells me revival broke out in Nashville University. I'm in the church where Don Jones is buried doing harp and roll worship with my wife. And he tells me this. We were scheduled to come the following. The next day, we left that day, came. I was on a Thursday right before we arrived. The Chiefs win the Super Bowl again while I'm here. Okay? Is that, that, is that one enough? Okay? And they want me to get somebody to testify from Ashbury University for their church on Sunday. So I go ask the people, and they say, well, everybody's gone testifying other places, you know, it's Sunday morning. So I call my roommate, her name's Chip. And she agrees to it. Uh, she's been there until 5.30 in the morning. And she comes back and she says, okay, I'll do it. And then she comes and meets me. She's a little late. She said, I'm sorry I'm late, but I felt like God told me to sign my contract to go on my mission trip. I said, where are you going? She said, we're not going to mission. <laughs> when you told the church in North Carolina, they erupted like somebody was going to Super Bowl. And then she testified that it was a confirmation of her, and they wrote it in like somebody wants to do that. Just those, there's no way those things can happen. It's the Lord Almighty trying to show those that have eyes to see and ears to hear his very specific interest in the providence of Ashton. On top of that, Bob Jones, Paul Canyon, and John Paul Jackson, all three Kansas City prophets. All buried on 222. They stopped this revival on 222. Hughes died on 222. The God, the master of the universe, is doing all these things, I believe, so that we could come deliver a message that you would know that it's not a man delivering. But the king of heaven is trying to show those that will listen to no one. And when I say that, the Lord is super interested in this church. The people here. Father God, do I get God so close? Do I say he don't do it? And men don't think there's much value in it. But there still is a spiritual heritage in the will of this church. It has to do with the spiritual destiny of the will of Look at the revival. It was hard to go worship. The people that did the last service were from Iowa. 
This is what I believe God wants to do for you I don't believe that just Wilmore and Ashbury or the people here would have a bread basket and a canopy of refuge. That's what God told us. He said, those like some young leaders in Kansas City, when I raise up and remove, wherever it's done, I'm going to create a canopy of protection and refuge and a bread basket in the time of Wilmore. But I don't believe the destiny of Wilmore is just for Wilmore. I believe that the, the connection that Wilmore has with every place that's been touched because of the alignment that happened will actually have an opportunity to receive that message. And so this is a very important thing. I'll challenge you to go to the mikebiddle.org and look up the 2019 history of my house and you'll understand some of those things. There are some things here that we need definitely for, for this place to but this is a hate stop. Hate is in the locker rooms. I believe that it will be actually holds a new beginning for America. And that's your spiritual destiny. And when you come here, God sees six families with like 36 people, 33, 36 people, this is 10 percent. To give up the whole life for seven months. Right there, that's enough. 
to speak because it doesn't fit in our tradition, right?
Yes. So I said in the back again, uh, we've been praying and worshiping for the weeks like these guys said. We've cultivated a lot, but I really think we've probably a little more of the same It's about the danger of com- our comfortability with what God is doing and what religious God is doing. And so we're surrounded by such a culture is so amazing in America. Like much like you know, if you're if you're a Jew, people assume you're religious. Well, if you're an American, people assume you're Christian. And so we're in this culture where, by nature, people start to think, "Well, I'm just, I'm a Christian because there's churches everywhere. My family's Christian. My parents are in the church, so I'm Christian." But the danger of that is that you start to take for granted all the things that God does and what it means when God does them. Because it doesn't, the meaning of it doesn't take root in your heart. And so, like, one of the things that he was saying to me is about, so, the, the, the revival recently that broke out at the university. Amazing. And if you don't realize what that is doing to a region, to a people, and what it causes, then you won't appreciate what's happening. Because for us, we kind of to, uh, okay, I heard there's a revival, so I'm going to step in and I'm going to check this thing out. And it's like, oh, I feel good. It feels good in this revival. I feel the holiness of God, so I'm going to weep. And I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray. That's amazing. But oftentimes what is missed is the idea that there are spiritual implications to every single thing that happens when you do things in obedience to God. Who knows how many people did commit suicide? Because they were worshiping and praying in the holiness of God. Yeah. Who knows how many people in this region radically shifted their lives because the Spirit of God was allowed to touch down and manifest in a place. We're still talking about it today because in the time of David, they worshiped the Lord. And we got to see a glimpse of it. But like I said, the Lord was showing me the danger of what religious goblins can do in our comfortability with with what uh, with, with the things that God does. And with that, he started talking to me about the other implications that come with the gifts of the Spirit. And how we have an understanding about things in the Bible that we hold here, but then when we go to our neighbors, we treat them here. So like, if I'm to say, hey, God just told me to go sacrifice one of my kids. I'm going up on the mountain. Oh, you're so good. I'm going up on the mountain. And I'm going to take one of my kids up and I'm going to stab him. Because God told me to. People are like, I'm calling CPS. Yeah. They're not your kids anymore. But yet we look at Abraham in the Bible and we're like, dude, that guy was a saint. Well, the very act in his life that is considered to him as righteousness was he said he was going to go kill his son and he was going to do it. Yeah. Man would have been an uproar at the university. If one of those nights where you couldn't get anywhere near Hughes Auditorium, if someone climbed up on the roof and just started beating through the roof to get in. Can you imagine the lawsuits, the insurance claims, the news, how people would say, oh, I can't believe they did that, that's not for today, that happened once in the Bible, but it wasn't necessary, we're a more civilized culture. So again, you take this thing of, this is what it is in the Bible, because it's in the Bible, I'm going to treat it here, which rightfully so. But we're to be written epistles read of all men. And we treat that here. 
So we look at people who start hearing things from God, and our immediate thought is to say, man, sorry, there's no place for that because that's not safe. The Bible is safe. That's been pushed to me by my parents or by whatever, which rightfully so. We love the Word of God. We love the Bible. I do believe it's an inerrant work of God and the Word of God. But yet, people who are made in God's image, we look at them and they start to exercise the gifts of the Spirit, and we say, well, I'm going to judge you with a different weight. And I'm going to say, sorry, I'm not going to trust you. And maybe, if that, that posture is in our heart, as soon as they take a step, we begin to cultivate this thing where we say, I don't trust you. Because I don't know that, and I don't know how that works. Which again goes back to where religious goggles, we don't realize the implications of what things are and how they work in the spirit. And we aren't willing to learn because we were brought up in a culture where we think we know it. Yeah. Or because we heard this, this, and this say, that's not for today, or that's not safe, or I was hurt when I was younger by that, so we're not going to open our hearts. One of the things that we've been discerning that is utterly important. So if I'm going to be candid about it, it was a day when we were all praying, and uh, one of the people from our group had gone to the awakening that happened over here at Keeps uh, a couple weeks ago. There was a group that came in and several days of worship. I think all of us visited at one point or another, but someone went and they were they, they said honestly, and honestly, this person has has a prayer and they, they, they felt the Spirit of God, and they wanted to start speaking in tongues. And they felt like this oppression, this, this isn't safe. They wanted to start speaking in tongues, like, oh, this is so beautiful, Lord. And naturally, their heart position is just to, to raise up what I would call a spiritual song. They just sing in tongues and say, songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. And they said, I, I didn't feel safe. I pressed through it, and I did it anyways. But I didn't feel safe. But I really believe that one of the main assignments that means broken, whether you agree with tongues or don't agree with tongues, whether you agree with prophecy or don't agree with prophecy, it's all in Scripture. We can all agree that we hold people in a certain place that we don't, that, that is different than how we look at Scripture. And we weigh their actions differently than how we weigh Scripture. But one of the assignments that needs broken here is fear. Because really what that is, is that fear. I'm afraid of what's coming out of you because I don't know if you're safe. So instead of reaching out, I'm going to hold this with an open hand and let God show me. It's, I immediately am in suspicion of you. Especially with prophecy. One of the main nasty spirits that the enemy likes to send to take the place of prophecy in a region where prophecy is held without us. If you're in a culture where everyone is suspicious of people prophesying, but no one is prophesying, then this may be an operation. So, Father God, we thank you that you are light, and that darkness cannot stay where light is. Father God, we invite you in this situation. We declare that we see, and we declare love in unity over the body of Christ. And we thank you for your light shining into this, God, that you would reveal 
how to how to break these things, these strongholds of darkness that would cause suspicion and fear in your body because fear of anything other than you is sin. And we don't want that one. The last thing I want to say, I had to pull up my phone. I believe in 2 Kings chapter 3, there's a story. And in the story, Moab is fighting against uh, Israel. And Elisha the prophet is there. And he's fighting against Israel, Edom, and Judah. They're all, they're all a conglomerate fighting against Moab. And they're going up to take the city of Moab. And so they go to Elisha the prophet and they say, we need a word. So Elisha the prophet says, all right, I don't, he actually kind of rebukes Edom and Israel. He's like, what do I have to do with you? You guys don't even know the word. But then he goes to Judah and he goes, because of you, I'll prophesy. <laughs> and so he, he begins to prophesy. And he says, do this and this, and you will take the city. He said, surely the Lord will give them into into your hand. So they do what he says to do. There's no no inclination of disobedience. It's not anywhere in there. And then they go up to the city, and they're winning the battle. And it says that the king of the city takes his firstborn son, and sacrifices him on the wall of the city, and it stops the attack. It says there was great indignation, and Israel went home, basically. They did not take the city. Nor in there does it imply that Israel was in disobedience. And nowhere in there did it sound like Elisha gave them an if then, except for what they did in obedience. But yet they did not take the city. But the word out of Elisha's mouth, the prophet with the double portion of the man who represents the prophet Elisha, gave the word and said, the city will be given. And then it wasn't. There are things like that all over the Bible. Where we think we know a certain thing or we're familiar with it or exactly how it works. And so we treat people in a different way, not realizing that we're cultivating fear and suspicion and actually suppressing the Spirit of God. Amen. Well, we, want to, we want to pray for you guys. And I want to call Paul and Charlie here to leave this time. Um, we want to also get our children up here. Come on, kids. We want to pray for you guys for, for the destiny that God has for you, for the, for the warfare that you're going to have to go through. And also, we want to invite you. And so we are actually... Starting on Monday, um, from 12 to 12, for seven days, we're going to be doing a prayer vigil at the sanctuary. And we want to encourage you guys, join us. We're really here as, as to serve the region, wash your feet, and to cultivate all that God wants for you and, and the leadership that he has called you to. And so um, we're, we, have, uh, we have these hard, I don't know if we've already, I think we've but, but we have um, from 12 to 12, and we're looking also for people that would like to host an hour or two during that time to do worship or to intercede. Uh, we're going to have uh, someone there for those 12 hours, but you guys to adopt an hour or two to participate with us. So that starts on Monday for seven days from 12 to 12 in the sanctuary, which is right down the street. So, 
Um, we're going to uh, call all the kids up. Where are all the kids?